Good morning. Really glad you're here this morning. I'm Randy Lanthrop, senior pastor here at Church in the Valley. And I'm launching a brief two-week message series we're calling Comparison, Discontent Gone Viral. Um, I'm delivering this message today. Thad Lanthrop, who is just up here hosting, will be delivering uh, the message next week. Comparison is something that comes almost as naturally as we we breathe, uh, at, at least for me. <laughs> I, I get into comparison pretty easily. Uh, you know, my world is, uh, I'm a pastor, so my peers are other pastors of churches. And one of the most discouraging things can be to go to a conference uh, where other pastors are and hear about how fantastic church life is going for them. Uh, when we started Church in the Valley, I would, I would have to just pull myself up off the floor often after being around those things. It's almost impossible to steer your mind in the right direction when you hear somebody else is doing fantastic in, in any way possible. I mean, hey, that's, at least that's how it is for me. We went back, Cindy and I went back for an orientation in Atlanta. When we were first starting the church, and there had been a church start in the city at the exact same time we started. And they did a telemarketing campaign to ramp up to as many people as they could have at the first service. And um, they, they ended up having 146 people at, at the service, which, you know, in, in my world... Numbers matter too much to some people. <laughs> and so they were like, yeah, that's awesome, 146. And uh, they represent lives of people who are hearing the truth about the Lord and things like that. Uh, but anyway, went back to this orientation, and they, they had heard, our denom- don- denominational leaders had heard about the launch of the other church. They heard we were from Diamond Bar, and they said, oh, you guys are the church that had 146 at your first service. Uh, no, we're the ones with six. <laughs> and so, you know, that's, that's what happens. You go and you hear people just growing, no problems. And it's really tempting in those situations not to edit out the lows and to only talk about the highs. That's what comparison does. We, we tend to get in situations where we have, maybe you have your own version of pastor's conferences or going back to that orientation like Cindy and I went to early on. You, you might have your own setting where that happens. Work event, a training opportunity at work. You're getting around your peers and, and they're talking about how they're just blowing it out of the water and things are going fantastic or a part day meetup with other moms or uh, a pickup basketball game. You're starting to lose it a little bit, you know, <laughs> and you're, you're, you're just tempted to compare yourself or, or holidays with a family. You know, Mother's Day's coming up. All the other siblings may be getting together. July 4th, families get together, friends depending on who, what they drive up in. You may be comparing yourself to what's going on with them. This pull toward comparison 
is the source of a tremendous amount of trouble in our lives. The great thing about the Bible, though, is that it doesn't mess around. It goes right to the source. It goes to the root of problems. And it's, it's like an owner's manual for dealing with life. This is because it's God's word. And God shows us through it how to pull the weeds at the root or maybe how to spray Roundup on the weeds. If you, if you, um, if you spray Roundup, now I, I, I'm currently in between homes, but I had a house for, for a while, <laughs> for about 20 years, and we sprayed, you know, when you spray Roundup, it gets rid of the weeds, but if you don't replace the weeds with anything, they just grow back. It gets to the root, but God shows us what to replace the weeds with in the Word. So today we're having a baptism, and we ask people at baptism to make the confession, Jesus is my Lord, and the Bible is my guide. The reason we ask for that confession is that God's Word, the Bible, is what He uses to guide us in life, to live a life that pleases him, and turns out to be the best kind of life we could possibly live. So in a few moments, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a letter written by a church starter in the first century to one of the churches he started. He was very close to them. Uh, They were dealing with comparison, among other things, And he was writing under God's guidance to help them know how to find their way out of this trouble. So we're gonna, we're gonna glean some help from God's word there. This bent toward comparison though, it, it started at the very beginning of the history of mankind. The Bible takes us back to the beginning when only two people existed. Uh, they didn't even have a conference to go to to, deal with comparison you know they're just two people and God gave them that first couple he gave them everything they needed to live and enjoy life all that they needed it was a fantastic setting they lived in and uh, in this setting a serpent comes along and casts doubt on the goodness of God and he tempted Eve by comparing her present life and the provisions, the fantastic provisions that God had given to what could be. So she she doesn't even have anybody else to really compare herself to, but the serpent comes along and tempts her to compare what she's now experiencing in life with what she could be experiencing in life. The Lord had forbidden Adam and Eve to eat the fruit from a specific tree in the garden. Don't know that it was an apple, but that's become the common thought. Uh, and he warned them that they would die if they ate from it. And here's, here's what the serpent tempted them with. You shall, you will surely not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, there, there are no other people to compare themselves with, so the serpent, our enemy, sets up a straw man to compare themselves with. The person they could be in the future if they stepped out of bounds, 
out of boundaries that God uh, had given them. So you see this bent toward comparison goes way back. It's an ancient problem that people have dealt with since the beginning of time. It's the root of a bitter enemy, uh, envy, a bitter envy that can really rob the joy. It, it can remove the joy factor from our lives if we allow it to. It's exaggerated by social media. It's gone viral in our day and time. With a couple of clicks, we can see all the great experiences that friends are having, ideas, life strategies, philosophies, marriage and parenting techniques that must be working out fantastic for them. Uh, and on and on and on, we just scroll down and we can see all this. Very easy to see what's going on in the lives of the people around us. We mostly see the highs and the good times. I don't see very many status posts of people saying, I, I really blew it at work today. I mean, I really wish I wouldn't have said that. You know, you don't, you just don't see that. That's not there. Um, it can be very unsettling to look at social media. So I want to spend the rest of this message looking at two problems that flow from comparison, an ancient problem that continues today, and the solution that God provides in the Bible. This is what we're going to do. So here's the trouble with comparison. Problem number one, comparison breeds confusion. When we dive into comparison, we depart from the reality, the realm of reality. We, we, we step outside of reality because we can only compare ourselves to the small slice of life that we can see in other people. We don't see the whole pie. This breeds confusion about ourselves. It creates un, unrealistic expectations for what we should be getting out of life. We only have a narrow one view of anyone else's life, maybe a 2D view, but certainly if it's on a screen, it's a 1D view. We're, we're only seeing what we can on there. In the passage that we're going to look at this morning, as I mentioned, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the Corinthian church, church that he started. He had a personal relationship with this group of believers. This group had begun to grumble against Paul. Uh, because of the way he went about his ministry. You ever tempted to grumble against a leader, you know, a boss or a group leader of some kind or a team leader, someone leading a ministry team or a group here at church? I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to do. Uh, when we do this, what we're doing is we're comparing that leader with who we would be or how we would handle it if we're the leader or... Uh, a leader from the past. You know, so we're comparing. Well, here's, here's what Paul says about comparison. Solution number one to problem number one, which is comparison breeds confusion, is don't dare to compare. Just, just don't even dare to, to go there. Second Corinthians 10, 12, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. 
The result of comparison is confusion. Paul's making it abundantly clear that this is not something he's going to get into, and he warns the Corinthians about getting into it themselves. Don't do this. Don't dare to compare. For the sake of understanding, here's a breakdown of three key words in the passage that we're looking at here. Classify. There's a flow. This is where it starts. Classify, compare, and commend ourselves. Uh, when we classify ourselves and other people, we're narrowing people down into classifications or categories in order to judge them. Judge them. That's what the idea is. This, this was originally written in Greek, and uh, that's the idea of this word in the Greek. So you're separating people out, and often we, we separate people and we isolate them so that we can make ourselves feel better about who we are by uh, judging them. In some way, they're deficient and we're superior. It's a dangerous, very dangerous thing to do. God alone is the judge. Then, after we classify, we compare. We compare their value in relation to ourselves or someone else so we can then commend ourselves. So when we compare, we see ourselves as either above or below, and it either puffs us up or brings us down. And then we end up commending ourselves, which means to boast outwardly or inwardly, at least in our minds we may boast, we may justify ourselves or talk to ourselves about how much better we are than the people we're comparing with. To make sure that we measure up and feel good about ourselves. Now, God wants us to feel good about ourselves. He, he, he really does. He, 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 it's a normal desire that he's put in us to feel good about ourselves. This, this is what he wants. Um, but comparison is, although it's a normal path, that we take to feel good about ourselves. It's not God's path to feeling good about ourselves. Comparison puts us on a treadmill where we get tie, we tie our well-being uh, to how we measure up with those around us, and it doesn't. We don't get anywhere. We don't. We don't. We don't experience uh, what God wants us to. And that roller coaster is magnified by social media. We're on this treadmill, and we end up getting off the treadmill, hopping right onto uh, a roller coaster where, you know, if we're looking good comparatively, we're enjoying it. If if we're looking bad comparatively, it's it's just rough. We're hitting hitting the ground on that. So. Um, that's the problem with this approach to our well-being. Comparison leaves us empty. Uh, here's a video. It has, and I apologize for the, for, for, I've, I've, I've watched this video six times this week, getting ready for this message just to see what it said and make sure I had it down. I personally think the music is annoying. So I apologize for the annoying music. <laughs> but it's from Time Magazine, and it shows... Well, you may enjoy the music, and that's okay, too. 
So don't, don't, you don't, you don't have to compare yourself with me and decide that, you know, you, you can, you can decide for yourself what you think. Now, boy, now you're going to be listening to the music. Um, but anyway, it's just background music with words that explain the dangers of social media and some of the problems with spending time there. So here it is. All right, hopefully that wasn't like fingers on a chalkboard for you. Um, but I do have a reason for showing that. It asks the question, is social media making us miserable? And uh, what they're showing in that, and I, I, as when I watched it the first time, it was hard for me not to look at what was going on in the background, not read the words. So here, here's a recap. It has a negative impact on physical health and life satisfaction. More time on it increases the likelihood of an anxiety disorder. It prompts people to compare with friends negatively. Current events, headlines, and opinions cause negativity. Now, I'm not against social media. I'm just trying to help you be aware of how it can exaggerate a, an ancient problem. If we, if we let it Pull us in because what's happening on those those sites that we go to is they're selling our eyeballs <laughs> to 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 the companies. So they they want to draw us in. They want to spend as much time as we can there. So we need to watch it. We need to be, be aware of what's happening and its impact on us. So it's an old problem that can be exaggerated. I'm not against social media at all. Um, it can be very useful, but comparison, if we get into it on social media or wherever, at a conference, at work, at a family gathering, it makes us anxious. It leaves us empty because it leads us to try to prove our own worth, and it causes boasting, which means we have to edit what we show people about our lives like we're tempted to do. In real life, social media provides a new venue for editing what we show. Recent surveys showed that 70% of people posting selfies took two or more shots. 
before posting? I would. I'd try to get the best one. 65% say their feeds only focus on the good. And here's a quote from a 16-year-old guy. I'm reading a book called Meet Generation Z. And uh, this 16-year-old guy says, we filter out the flaws to create the ideal image. This is what we're, this is what we're tempted to do natively, is to only show the good stuff. <clears throat> when we only show the good things going on with us, our family and friends don't know the real person that we are. And that leaves us anxious. Because what if they find out who we really are? Will they accept us for who we are? It makes us anxious that we're going to be found out. And so we boast to feel better about ourselves. And when we boast to feel better about ourselves, it's like pumping up a balloon. You know, we're blowing up the balloon. And then we're afraid it's going to pop. And we're on edge a little bit. Because sometimes people have their hands around the balloon. <laughs> Puts us on edge. There's a problem with boasting. It's like a drug. It gives us a brief feeling that we're worthwhile, but it's a high that doesn't last. We feel better for a moment. But the emptiness comes back when we realize the approval of others isn't what we really need. The fuel that keeps the comparison fire raging is the need to be valued. Yet our value doesn't come from looking to someone else and comparing. It doesn't come from within ourselves. In reality, we realize our value and worth when the spotlight is on God himself. This is how we realize our value. Solution number two is to boast in the one who can fulfill you. So problem number two uh, is that comparison leaves us empty. Solution number two is to boast in the one who can fill you. Paul wraps up this passage on comparison uh, by saying this, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And when he says this, he's quoting a verse from the Old Testament portion of the Bible, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, that says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. We boast in the Lord by giving him credit for the good stuff that's going on in our lives. This is, this is how we boast in God. By intentionally giving him credit, by bragging or giving testimony to the work that he's doing in our, on our behalf. If you understand and know God, you realize your very life comes from him. Our very life and breath comes from him. Our strength and our ability to earn money and to take care of ourselves and our families comes from him. He's given us all things to enjoy. That's what you find out in Scripture. He's the source of our strength, our life, our strength, our riches, any wisdom that we have. 
He is the very source of these things. And we should thank him for what he does. So that's the first way that we can boast in God. Thank him and give him credit in conversations. Give testimony about how good he is to us. God is the one who made us. And the interesting thing about people is he has given all people, every person on the face of the earth, an incredible worth, an incredible value. Because as you get into Scripture, what you find out, and this is what you discover as you come to know and understand God, is that, first of all, we're made in the image of God. And now he, he made he made all the animals, he made all, all the other parts of creation, and he gave human beings the number one position in all of creation by making them in his image. We have the ability to think, we have the ability to relate to others, to care for others, to love. We're we're made in the image of God. That's gives us an incredible sense of value and worth if we go to him for it. He is the source, the unmovable source of a sense of self-worth. There's a tremendous dignity in being made in God's image, but here's, here's, here's an added value to us. Even when we rebelled, even when Eve made that decision and Adam agreed to step outside of the boundaries that God had set up and ate that fruit, that forbidden fruit, that separated us from God. But God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay for our sins because he loved us that much. So not only are we made in the image of God, when we rebelled against God, he didn't give up on us. He sent his son, and Jesus Christ himself sacrificed his life. The son of God sacrificed his life so that we could be connected with God again. What value do we have? We can try to compare ourselves. We can take the normal path to feeling good about ourselves through comparison. But if you'll just go to God, he will show you your value if you understand and know him. Jeremiah tells us to boast in understanding and knowing God. That's the second way that we can boast in the Lord, by thanking him, by knowing him, to grow in our understanding of who God is. The more we know him, the more that we understand how much help he provides to live the life he's given us. We, we know God by getting into the Bible, his word, and it makes us wise as we read it. And as we grow wise, if, if you're a Christ follower, people, other, other people around you know this, if you've identified with Christ, and you're growing wise by getting into the word of God and living it out, trying to live it out, doing your best, getting it straightened out when you don't. If you're doing that, when you're aligning yourself with the way God made us to live, it glorifies him. It's a way of boasting 
in God. That's the second way. Notice that Jeremiah says God delights in steadfast love, justice, and righteousness. If we live this way, God gives joy because he's made us to live this way. He's made us to be steadfast in our love for the people in our lives. That doesn't mean you always do what they want you to do, but everything you do and say should be out of love. So he's made us this way. He's made us in his image. God delights. He is steadfast love. He is love. And he delights in it. Steadfast love, justice, which only means doing right by people. We do right by people. And then righteousness, which means doing what pleases God, doing right before God. If we live this way, God delights in us. It's a way of boasting. 2 Corinthians 10.18 says, For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. So here, here the Corinthians, they were in a habit like we all tend to get into, of comparing themselves and commending themselves. But Paul makes it clear here, it's not the one who commends himself who's approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. So we should live for the Lord's commendation, to please him, to love, to live with justice, to live with righteousness. So a third way to boast in the Lord is to do what pleases him. You know, it's right and it's good when something made does what its maker wants it to do. I had a little fun this week. Uh, when I see inventions uh, that really work, I think, wow, that's ingenious. And the inventor gets a little glory from that, don't they? Uh, here's some pretty cool inventions that I found uh, on the Internet. <laughs> um, first one is a kernel sifter for popcorn. Isn't that cool? You, you can you could just roll it around in there and the kernels are filtered out into that one part. And now, if that really works, I want that. But the problem is, if, if, if it doesn't really work and I spend money on it, I'm going to be a little upset with the inventor. They're just trying to make money on me. Here, here's a self-cleaning broom. Now, this is also brilliant because I get really bothered by the fuzz at the bottom of the broom and you can, you can, you know, wipe it off. And then here's a heat sealer for plastic bags. That's pretty cool. Another one, Locketron door unlocker without keys. You can actually buy an add-on. It connects to your Wi-Fi, and you can do it from anywhere. That's pretty cool. Uh, here's a parking space pointer. I've needed this so many times. It's a little fuzzy, but there's a green light to an open parking space. I would love that, especially when I'm coming out from the airport trying to find my car. That's rough. So if these inventions really work, the inventor gets a little glory. And our role as followers of Christ is to show people how following him makes life really work. And as we do that, he gets the glory. He's glorified. God gets the glory in our lives when we please him in the way we work, in the way we parent, 
in the way we relate to friends, in the way we serve in ministry, and anything else that we do that pleases him. He gets the glory in our lives because others know we're Christ followers and aim to please him. We boast or glory in God by doing what he made us to do. And we don't we don't need to pump ourselves up and commend ourselves. We just need to do what God made us to do, to go to him as a source of our sense of worth, to love people, to do right by them, to do what's right before God. And when we boast in him, he fills us up. It doesn't leave us empty. He 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 keeps filling us with the incredible sense of value that he has for us because he he deeply loves us. We boast in the Lord by giving him credit for the good he's doing in our lives. What are you thankful for in your life right now? What's a source of gratitude for you? How how can you boast in the Lord to your friends and family this week? That's the, the first way to boast in him, is to give him credit for the good in our lives. Second way, understand and know him more and more. By growing wise in his ways, we honor him, and as Christ followers, people see that life's coming together as we follow him. That honors him, that glorifies God, that, that's a way to boast in him. And third, we do what he made us to do. Another way to boast. Comparing yourself to others is sideways energy. Looking up to God will bring the satisfaction you crave. You'll just give your life to him. In a moment, we'll receive our offering. Uh, Please, if you would, take out the connection card and finish filling out the front of it. uh, If you haven't had an opportunity to yet. Uh, on the back side are some next steps I'm going to suggest. You may have other ideas, some other things that God said to you, or uh, you don't have one to take. But my, my suggestions are this. My next step today is to identify where I'm most prone to compare and ask God to help me deal with that. Another step would be to seek God's approval by... So there's, there's something going on in my life. I need to, I need to stop focusing on sideways energy and I need to find out what God wants me to do with that and seek His approval in it. And then here's, here's a, here's an interesting one. Stay off social media for one day this week and see the impact (laughs) of that on comparison. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word that does free us from destructive habits and patterns in our lives. I pray that you give us the strength to take the steps that you've laid on our heart to take, that you'd be honored and pleased in the way we live our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.